Welcome to the RSCC podcast. Thanks for joining us today. My name's Adam and I'm on staff here at RSCC. Here at RSCC, we believe that you matter and that God loves you so much. If you want to know more about RSCC or to keep up with what's going on, follow us on social media at RSCC Family or visit our website at rsccfamily.org. We would love to connect with you. I hope you enjoy the message today. Well, good morning, church. Ah, some of you are wide awake and bright-eyed and all those kinds of things. It was one of those mornings as I'm riding, driving in, I didn't see the rising sun. Maybe you didn't either. I did see some snow on the ground. That was not exciting at all. Well, I, and so I have my sweater on because, man, it was cold out there this morning. For those of you who are guests with us today, thanks for being here. We hope that uh, we are very welcoming to you as well. My name is Rick Schunkweiler, and it is, a, it is a joy to be here this Sunday as uh, you announced that Shane is to be the next minister here at Rising Sun. I've known Shane for almost 20 years now. and He was a, a volunteer when we hired Mark Graham at First Church of Christ in Burlington. It was almost like a package deal. Shane showed up and uh, played guitar and, and uh, led worship. And he and Megan are a great young couple. I guess they're not as young as they used to be, that's for sure, but they are a great couple. You will enjoy him as, uh, as a leader. Uh, second thing is, this is birthday week for Adam, so you ought to be celebrating with him as a Saturday, next Saturday is his birthday. So I'm expecting cupcakes in the office every week, every day this week, so that you're encouraging him along. We gotta fatten him up a little bit uh, as that part goes along. He's a brave man to put... Uh, put the middle school and high school retreat on time change uh, weekend. Way to go, bud. Uh, I know that you are dragging, and that is going to be something else. Uh, it, it is a joy to be with you today. Let me pray over you as, uh, as we get started. Almighty God, you know that we have no power in ourselves to help ourselves. Keep us both outwardly in our bodies and inwardly in our souls. Care for us. Father, that you might defend us from all adversities which may happen to the body and from all evil thoughts that may assault and hurt the soul. Father, I pray that you will prepare us right now to listen, that you will prepare my heart to hear even the things that I say. And Father, I thank you for this morning, for it's through Jesus Christ our Lord who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Well, I've got a list that's up here on the screen right now. Where do you land on this particular list? When you take vacation, do you pack a week in advance or do you throw things in a suitcase 10 minutes before you leave? How many of you pack in advance a week? How many of you just throw them in the last minute? Yeah, that's it. Okay, here's the second question or idea. Develop, for a work project, do you develop, well, <laughs> do you develop a week-by-week -week schedule or do you work over time the week it's due? How many of you develop a week-to-week -week schedule? There are a few of you out there. Yeah, yeah, that'll be fun. And then how many of you work over time the week it's due? How many of you are, as young people in the crowd, how many of you are up the night before the project's due? Yeah, that, that was me. That was me. You know, in fact, I can remember when I was in... Uh, Elementary school had a project, uh, this, is, this is hard to admit, had a project that was due, and I woke up that morning, I wasn't done, and I told mom, I can hardly talk, I think we're, I'm in big trouble. She goes, she worked at school, so she had to leave. I said, I, said, I just can't talk, I don't think I should be in school all week. 
And she said, okay, so I worked that day. I lied. Yeah, man, I am a sinner saved by the blood of Jesus. That's the only reality to that thing. Third thing, this is your school project. Here it comes. You attempt daily goals or you pull an all-nighter? How many of you had daily goals when you were in school? You know, you wrote down when the paper was done, right? And how many of you pull an all-nighter? I'm that guy right there. Yeah, even in college as that went along. Thank God for coffee. Okay, Christmas gifts. How many of you buy all year or how many of you head out on December 24th? How many of you buy all year? Yeah, my wife is one of those. She starts on December 26th for the next year. We're getting old enough now, we don't remember where we put the presents. How many of you are in that level? Yeah, that happens too. And how many of you head out on December 24th with the crazies? I knew Mike would be in that crowd. I knew exactly that. I just wanted to have a little fun as we began here today, knowing that it was Time Change Sunday and the challenges that we have and just kind of staying awake. Uh, Today, I, I, I have like a two-week conversation that I want to have with you, and I, and I call it the ultimate fight club, because oftentimes we forget, as we come up towards the resurrection, just how much a battle it was that God's working in our behalf, the challenges that take place. And so when I think of our own lives right now, the headlines just kind of scream at us, right? I mean, tornadoes, fires, school shootings, asteroids. Yeah, yeah, I had to bring asteroids in because this past week I found an article that an asteroid is heading our way. I want to put worry in your heart, okay? Worry in your heart. It's 460 feet across, and it should be here by February 5th, 2040. There's a one in 625 chance that it will hit the earth. Scientists are already talking about how to deflect it. Now I checked my death, my date against a death clock and, and that projection says I have until July 25th, 2042. So this affects me. I'm starting to worry now. I only have 19, you know, what is it, 17 years left till this thing might hit us, but hey, the reality is I'm gonna worry, right? No. Those kinds of things come at us over and over and over again. It seems that we just have a fascination with disasters and end times. You know, speaking of a disaster, one of the things about the challenge in the, in the country of Haiti is how many disasters they have had over these last few years. And now just the unsafe conditions that our missionaries and our native Haitians are living under. And I just, I just praise God for their faithfulness. Can we just pray for them just for a minute, our, our friends and neighbors in Haiti? Father, just now I, I lift up to you our Haitian friends, the challenges that they face every day. I pray, pray for Luke, my preacher friend. I pray for Avnel. I pray for each of those individuals that we've talked about at Sunlight. I pray, Lord, that you would continue to give them strength for every day because from our perspective as Americans, we're uh, you know, just, just having a, to stop at a stoplight. We have struggles with staying stopped. Father, for them, it, it's just scary every day. So I pray your blessing upon them and your strength upon them. May they be your missionaries and ambassadors today. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. You know, for us, since the 70s or so, we've often had a fascination with movies and monsters and even sometimes ministers who talk about the end of the world. I mean, right now we're in the midst of the unrest in the Middle East and the war in the Ukraine and predictions of Jesus' return become headlines. But what about you and me? How are we to take all of this with what the Bible says about end times? Aren't the details 
confusing and scary and sometimes misleading? Well, we're going to be talking about end times today, but first I, I want us to think about the fact that Jesus came here on mission. We talk about his sacrifice for salvation and we talk about accepting his gift of eternal life for those of us who are Christians and for those of us who may be seekers by faith and being immersed in baptism. And we talk about following him in our lifestyle, but, but what was the big deal? I mean, after all, how hard could it have been for God to say, oh, okay, here's what I'm gonna do to bring these people back to me. We miss the fight, we miss the struggle, we miss the challenge. It really was an ultimate fight club kind of situation between what Satan is trying to do in the world and what Jesus came to redeem. I mean, some of you may wonder, why, why would you pick such a title for two weeks? I mean, doesn't it represent a no-holds-bar approach to fighting? It does. But I, but I chose it because the reality is this is a fight to the finish. It's intense, and it had worldwide impact. Before the resurrection, there is insurrection against the powers of this world. And any time there's that kind of thing going on, it's major conflict. It makes any of our world wars pale. I mean, we miss how big that struggle was going to be. We've read the details over and over again for those of us who've read through scripture and sometimes we're a little tired of, of reading them. We're, we're just you know, maybe overwhelmed. The details seem strange and what I want you to be aware of is we don't get lost in the details in the end times. To understand what it meant to be center stage in all of these things, we have to begin at the end. This whole conversation of Jesus begins in Matthew 24. That's where we're going to land today and be in Matthew 24 for a while, the first book of the New Testament. He's preparing the disciples, though, in this conversation for his death, for him being away. He's going away. And and they think, well, yeah, maybe for a little while, but this is going to be an immediate victory, Jesus. We're expecting to see some amazing things. And so he leads them through a conversation in Matthew 24, verses 1 to 35, a, a conversation of destruction and fire and terror and questions that would come and concerns and signs, etc. I mean, it's fascinating bedside reading. If you want to stay up all night, man, read through that because it will just jump off the pages at you. But I don't want to discount those words because they come from the Lord himself. I do want you to notice, though, what he says in Matthew chapter 24, beginning with verse 36, and, and all the way through the 25th chapter as well. Jesus says much more about how we are to be while we await his return than what happens prior to his return. And you can read that whole section. In fact, I encourage you to read Matthew 24 and 25 this week as we're preparing for next Sunday as well. I think there's a reason why he talks so much about be. In this battle to be victorious, we have to be aware, we have to be prepared, and we have to be ready. Matthew 24, verse 36 through 44 reads like this. But about the day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. I'm going to stop there for just a moment. Be aware that when people start predicting the end of 
times and for Jesus' return, tells us right here, no one knows that day or hour but the Father. So I, I have a tendency to just kind of disregard those prophecies because Jesus is saying here, no one's going to know. And so if people are coming predicting it, do not fall prey to it. Verse 37, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of God, or Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day that Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That's a key phrase, by the way, took them all away. That's how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. What, what do you, what's he mean? That's what it'll be like at the coming of the Son of Man. He says, two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill. One will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. I'm going to stop there for just a moment. One will be taken and one will let, be left. What it's saying here, in essence, that in the day of, days of Noah, the people who were taken were the ones who did not believe Noah's message. The people that were left were the ones that went into the ark. Sometimes you've heard, I don't want to be left behind. But the passage of scripture right here is telling us that those of us who are believers will be left behind. Hmm, think about that for a while. That'll mess with you after all the books you've read and the thoughts that you've had. Because the, the believers in God in Noah's day, Noah's family, were the ones who were left to go into the ark. The others were taken. And that's what Jesus is saying here. One in the field is taken away and the other is left for God. Well, just let you think about that one. That'll mess you up for a while, right? All right. Therefore, keep watch, verse 42. Keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watching that would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. You see, Jesus always spoke the truth. And as he's in the final week of his life, he begins to peel back the curtain for the disciples on what is coming. In essence, he's almost talked about from creation in Genesis chapter 3, the battle that takes place there with sin to the challenges or his own temptations that is referred to in Matthew chapter 4. And now, here, Jesus' words on the end times. This is a fight to the finish. It has always been a battle between the forces of evil and God. There seems to be deliberate ambiguity in the text so that Christians in every era take an any moment approach to the second coming of Jesus. That it can be at any time. Also, we can't be dogmatic on the when, only that it will happen. We do not discredit hope but we're able to honestly obey Christ's exhortations to therefore keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Man, what a challenge. I mean, why would Jesus talk like this just before his crucifixion? Why would these be some of the last words that people would hear from him? 
Well, because he wanted them ready before he left. As Jesus and his followers neared Jerusalem, rumors began to circulate. He plans to overthrow Rome. He will establish the throne of King David. The kingdom of God is here. We can see the Messiah come in all of his glory and the unruly mobs of Passover pilgrims felt very patriotic. For after all, Passover is the commemoration of Israel's liberation from Egypt. Perhaps this Passover, this very Passover, the nation would be liberated from Rome. That's what they were hoping for, the Jews of Jesus' day. So perhaps to silence these dangerous ideas, the Lord spoke. Perhaps to assure his disciples that he was the Messiah and things would be different. Perhaps as a reminder that this war would still have many battles and skirmishes, but would be won. Perhaps. I mean, the reality is that speculation as to times and dates and methods have gone on for years. I don't want us to be hung up on speculations. But the truth is, he will be back. He ultimately wins. The war is ours. That same challenge lived among early Christians. Paul has to address some of their astonishment and their questions in 1 Thessalonians when he's talking about the fact that Jesus hasn't returned yet, so what happens to those who die? And you can read through the book of 1 Thessalonians and see a number of questions that the Christians are beginning to ask about, how come Jesus isn't back yet? It's only been about 30 or 40 years. Why isn't he here? We should be seeing him. I mean, he particularly addresses what happens after we die. So, what can we learn? What can we learn from this passage in Matthew? First, we learn that we are to be aware. Be aware. Ah, How many times do you hear the words, I just didn't expect that to happen. I just didn't think something like that would happen. I have missionary friends who are in Turkey and in the last earthquake in Turkey and Syria, which was so incredibly devastating and so awful, and so many people were killed, many of the survivors came out and said, we just didn't expect it. Wait a minute, you live on a fault line. You live in a place where this stuff happens and you weren't aware? The last few weeks, you know, we've we've heard tornado warnings and thunderstorm warnings and many other things that are going on. And sometimes the admonition to pay attention is all we need to hear and we're on high alert. I mean, many of us can remember the, the details of September 11th, 2001. It changed the way that people look at each other and how we pass through an airport, how we attend sporting events, how we watch a parade. We are aware. We're a little on edge. I mean, you've seen those signs in big cities where they're posted saying, high crime area, or watch out for pickpockets. Those signs are to keep us alert to danger. We've heard these words the last several weeks, right? Severe thunderstorm warning, tornado watch, take cover immediately. And we did. We were in the basement. We were aware. The power went off for 33 hours where I live. Mike was so gracious. He said, do you need a, do you need a generator? I said, I can't get across the river. I can't even get out of my garage. No, we got that and, and things were taken care of by one of our other neighbors. But be aware. Be aware. 
Jesus is reminding people that he's returning victoriously. He tells them it'll be like the days of Noah. Now, when you read Noah in Genesis, you realize he spoke for 120 years trying to get people to hear the message of God. The message never changed. The warning never ceased. But the people became complacent or they went back to normal everyday life. Now, normal meant not paying attention to God and his message. God expects us every day to to be involved in normal activities, but we are aware of the message. Not with life that's self-centered, not with life that doesn't have God at the center, not with life that means looking out for number one, not looking out for the king of kings. That's what we do every day, believers. We do every day, we look out for the King of Kings. We have an amazing opportunity. We know the message. We know the truth. We know he's coming. So we don't have to get sucker punched by those who think they know better. One of the strategies of the evil one is to think things will just stay the way they are all the time. But they do not. Just like we experience change and time change Sunday and change that will come along as Shane begins to minister in this congregation Every day is change, but we know one constant, Jesus is coming again. I saw this principle played out on my most recent airline trip, and maybe you've seen it too, right? I mean, many of us in here fly for our jobs and responsibilities. You know, at the beginning of the flight, the airline always makes the announcement, right? Where the exits are, what lights will turn on, how to put on your seatbelt, how to take it off. And yet so many people ignore the speech because they've heard it before. My goodness. I I always perk up and stop right at that moment. I need to be aware. Maybe something's changed. So what am I to be aware of? I'm to be aware of that there's more to life than just this moment. Yeah, I I fully wanna live in this moment, paying attention to all that's around me. I'm aware that all I see, no matter how wonderful, is broken. Can you imagine heaven? Can you imagine when Jesus comes back and and, and when he restores and renews the earth? If this place is broken, how amazing it must be when he returns because the beauty that we see in our world is still a part of brokenness. I'm aware that Jesus could come back at any moment, so I'm doing things that would be pleasing to him. Am I? Am I doing things that would be pleasing to him? I don't just wait in a corner No, just as scripture says, I'm busy in the field. I'm at work when he returns, and I want to be bringing him glory through my everyday activity. So be aware. Second is be prepared. Be prepared. This scripture reminds me that I have to be prepared. Jesus used a story that I'm sure brought smiles to his listeners. We listened to it differently, but when they were hearing it, I think they may have smiled when he talked about the thief in the night. In fact, this is where some of us have heard this idea that thief of the night and the surprise and and the craziness that may go on. We take that to mean that Jesus will sneak in on us when he returns, that no one will know of his appearing. But that's not the teaching here. What Jesus is saying is this. If you knew the thief was coming, you would prepare your house. It's not that he shows up in secret. It is that He's coming, so prepare your house. When I was a in high school student, our house was robbed. We lived out in the in the country up in western Indiana, and 
I came home from a youth group meeting with my brother and sister. And as I came up on our back porch, I, I just got this sense that something was wrong. I mean, we lived way out in the sticks. And, and, and even the nightlight only shone in just a little, little bitty spot. And, and I could just sense something was going on. As I walked in the door, as I flipped on the light and looked around, it looked like a whirlwind had gone through our house. There was furniture overturned. There were things knocked off of cabinets. There were all kinds of things going on. Books on the floor. Shelving was broken. You see, if we had known that group was coming, we would have done more to keep them out. Now, I grew up in a time, and many of you did too, we didn't do what? We didn't lock our doors. We didn't think about that. But man, after that, my dad locked the door every time. And then I reminded him we had a three by four piece of glass in the door that you just punch through and it'd be in. Dad said, I don't care, lock in the door. Okay, dad, that's fine, that's fine. Wow, that, that was something. So we know that Jesus is coming again. How then may Christians prepare for his coming? Since we know the end will, we will have a lot of deception taking place and falsehood, then we can be ready for it only by knowing and believing and loving the truth. That's one of the reasons why we encourage you to study the word, why we encourage you to read for yourself, why we ask you to be in groups and Sunday school classes and so forth. Since we know they'll involve much wickedness, we can be ready by depending totally on the power of the Holy Spirit to keep us morally strong. We must, we must be in the habit of practicing righteousness. Since we know it'll involve persecution, we must learn to trust God's power and promise no matter what our circumstances. Love the songs that we were singing today that talked about the provision of God even in the midst of darkness. And we can take comfort in knowing that God will ultimately be victorious, destroying all of his and our enemies at his coming. You know, I think this is one of the hard teachings for me. When Jesus talks about the end times, he describes some, some pretty wicked and desperate circumstances, heartache, injustice, wickedness, and we're not immune to those times. And they're tough to go through. I think that's one of the reasons why when I'm in India or when I'm in Haiti and I see the joy of Haitians or the joy of Indians and they, they are being challenged by their government and by the gangs around them, yet they have such great joy. I mean, some of the wickedness that may come along may involve our spouse or our children or our family. And that's why Jesus wades right into this life, why he stepped down from heaven he stepped in to fight on our behalf. He stepped in to be our advocate. So we stand firm in the midst of turmoil all around us, focused on Jesus. Hebrews 12 says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The Hebrew writer says, pay attention. He says, we're in this fight that would keep people from the kingdom of God. So how do we keep from losing heart? Be aware, be prepared, and then be ready. Be ready is the third thing that I think in terms of this particular time. I, I don't know if you've taken long plane, plane trips, but man, they are boring. I don't care how many movies there are. I don't care how many books I take along. They're just boring. And when I, when I go to India, it takes me about 
eight or nine hours to fly to Paris, and then I connect there, and it takes another ten and a half hours to get to India. And so, so I sleep. <laughs> but, but you have to be prepared in case something happens in the air while you're asleep. One time, because I knew one of the gate agents here in Cincinnati, she, <laughs> I, don't, I won't tell her name, uh, she worked out that I had a whole row in the middle. I had all the seats. And, and, and I laid down quick because I knew people would start moving in. I told the attendants, hey, I got the whole row, okay, so it's mine. Being a bit selfish, yep, I know that. But I can tell you how to wrap a seatbelt around you while you're lying down covered up and asleep. Because I didn't want to go flying through the cabin if we hit some pocket of turbulence. You take the seatbelt from chair number two and you connect it to the seatbelt in chair number three and it fits perfectly. Put the, put the blanket over you. The staff never messes with you. It was a great, great time. I was ready when we hit rough air and I slept like a baby one of the few times. Okay. But what keeps us from being ready for God? Sin. Can you imagine a, a world without sin? Have you done anything recently because of sin? At the very least, you've complained. Maybe you've worried. Maybe you grumbled. You, you've hoarded what you should have shared. You've turned away when you should have helped. You second-guessed, you covered up. All those kinds of things happened to us. Because of sin, you snapped at a loved one. You argued with one you cherish. You felt ashamed, guilty, bitter. You have ulcers, sleepless nights, cloudy days, and a pain in your neck because of sin. Because of sin, the young are abused and the elderly are forgotten. The innocent are accused, the guilty are celebrated. Because of sin, God is cursed and drugs are worshiped. Because of sin, the poor have less and the affluent want more. Because of sin, babies have no daddies and wives have no husbands. Sin has sired a thousand heartaches and broken a million promises. Your addiction can be traced to sin. Your mistrust can be traced back to sin. Bigotry, robbery, adultery, all because of sin. But in heaven, sin will have no power. All of this will end. And Jesus reminds his listeners to be ready. And what does ready look like? Well, you need to read the rest of Scripture in this section, chapter 24 and 25. But let me summarize it. And I want to encourage you to read it this week again. To be ready means to be faithful and wise in Jesus' service. This is why we say in our vision that we, we follow his path. We are going to follow Jesus we want to care for things the way that Jesus cared for things. We want to expect his return at any minute. We want to invest our gifts and abilities in things that he would invest in. We want to care for people as Jesus cares for people. We care for the hungry, the thirsty, the lonely, the sick, the imprisoned. The reason we have a free store here is because if Jesus were ministering in this community, he would have a free store. We just really believe that. We'd follow his path through the fight. So here's the deal. End times are upon us. By the way, they have been upon us for over 2,000 years. Peter expected them. Paul expected them. John expected them. And we see throughout history that believers expected that they were living in the end times. So how do we live? We live aware. We live prepared. And we live ready. We live with an eye on the sky and an eye on the least of these, as Jesus says in Matthew 24, 40. Jesus fights on our behalf. 
we fight on behalf of others. So there are three questions that I leave you with today. Number one, am I living my life as an authentic disciple of Jesus of Christ? Number two, am I making disciples? Am I sharing my faith with others? You may want to take your phone out, take a picture of this so you got these questions. And am I leveraging my influence to help build a movement of multiplying disciples? Because that's what God wants us to do. Live as authentic disciples. Make disciples. And then help build a movement of multiplying disciples. That's what we do here at Rising Sun. That's why we do the events. That's why we meet together. That's why we study. That's why we are encouraged. Because that's how you live if you knew the world would end tomorrow. Would you pray with me, please? Father, it's in this moment that we're reminded again of your incredible power, that you are the one who fights on our behalf, that you are the one who cares for us in all things that happen. And Father, I pray now that you would give blessing, strength, and that your glory would be so strong that people would see you in all things. Thank you, God, for changed life. Thank you, God, for transformation. Thank you, God, that we can be aware we can be prepared, and we can be ready for your return. For it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining in with us today. We hope that you were blessed by this message and that you were drawn deeper in faith with Jesus. If you have any questions or want to continue the conversation, please feel free to email us at info at rsccfamily.org. Thanks for the listen and have a great day.